There you go. Sounds like my wife. She tells me where I'm wrong and she's my boss. <laughs> This episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Are you searching for a new job? That can be stressful, scary, and time-consuming. Pushy recruiters try to sell you on roles you don't actually want, and the job boards make you feel like you're throwing your resume into a black hole, never to be seen again. And sometimes you go all the way through the interview process just to find out at the very end that the salary, offer, or company culture doesn't match what you're looking for. Hired is the world's most intelligent talent matching platform for full-time and contract opportunities in engineering development, design, product management, data science, sales, and marketing. We make your job search faster, focused, and stress-free. Instead of endlessly applying to companies and hoping for the best, Hired puts you in control of when and how you connect with compelling new opportunities. After completing one simple application, top employers apply to hire you. And on Hired, you receive personal interview requests and upfront salary information so you can make informed decisions about what opportunities to pursue over a condensed timeline. Hired offers access to more than 4,000 innovative employers, including big brand names like Facebook and smaller emerging startups. The size and type of company you want to connect with is totally up to you. And we help you find new opportunities in 17 major cities in North America, Europe, Asia, and Australia. Open to relocation? Let them know. Your privacy and autonomy in your job search is of utmost importance. And if you go check them out at the show's link, that's hire.com slash JavaScript Jabber, you can get double the hiring bonus that they offer. That's $600 instead of $300. So go check them out at hire.com slash JavaScript Jabber today. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the JavaScript Jabber Show. Uh, we are again live at Build, Microsoft Build. Our panel today, we have AJ O'Neill. I'm so glad that Chuck is now confused as to when we are and aren't live. That's, I've done that, my work. That's true. It's not coming to you live anymore. This <laughs> build was obviously a while ago. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. We have two guests today. We have Tristan Davis. You want to say hi? Sure. Hi. My name's Tristan Davis. I'm a PM on the Office team, specifically working on the Office platform. All right. And that's Microsoft Office. Office. That's right? Microsoft Office. Yes. All right. And we also have Sean Labery. Yep. Hi, I'm also a program manager on the Office team, Microsoft Office, of course, <laughs> focused on accessibility. Nice. So, Barat, who's the guy that set all this up, said that uh, you could talk to us a little bit about extending Office functionality with JavaScript. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Because I think what most people think of extending Office today, they think of VBA. Right, VBA has been sort of been glued into people's minds of what it means to extend Office. But what we've done as a team is really tried to rethink what it means to extend Office now that Office isn't just an application in Windows that runs mm -hmm. on your PC, but Office is running on my iPhone, it's running on my iPad, it's running on my Android tablet at home. You can run access our apps through the browser with Office Online. So we said, hey, we need a new platform that really allows you to build apps that run across all of those app places, right? Like, I want you to build an add-in for Word, and the user doesn't care whether they're using Word for Mac or Word in the browser or Word mm -hmm. on their phone. That same add-in is just part of what it means to use Word. So the way we did that is we said, hey, we need to rethink our platform in terms of HTML. So really a modern Office add-in, or what you hear us call a web add-in, is exactly that. It's HTML and JavaScript, right? It, HTML for all your UI, if you want to render a task pane, that task pane is just an HTML surface. You can go put whatever controls on it you want. Uh, and then to interact with the document models, like to go touch Word's UI, content, if I want to go manipulate cells in Excel, if I want to go futz with the document properties, all of that is just a series of JavaScript object model calls in something uh -huh. what we call Office JS. Okay, so just to clarify, because I think people kind of think, oh, so Office is no longer just a desktop app, yeah. so um, you're saying that this will work for the web Office, but this works on any version of Office. That's right, so today it works on uh, Office on Windows, obviously, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, Office on Mac, Office Online, so that's the Office apps that run in the browser, uh, and Office for iPad. Mm -hmm. And, and you then, can do it with JavaScript. And you can do it with JavaScript and HTML. So you can write a web app, you can write an Office add-in. Because um, it's really just that web app plus an XML file that tells Office, hey, here's how to plug things into the ribbon, and here's what URL has the HTML and JavaScript you need to render the rest of the app. Okay. And then cool. you're off to the races. I've got an immediate question here. Awesome. Because people are always talking about how on mobile, HTML and CSS suck. And so you've got to write everything native or the user experience is going to be terrible, awful. So now you're in the position of either telling me that they're wrong and you can make <laughs> a great experience with HTML and CSS 
or that Office isn't a great experience. I Choose think you can wisely. make a great experience using HTML and JavaScript. I think what you'll find uh, is our team really does believe that the web lets you do powerful experiences that work cross-platform. Obviously, there are things you're going to want to do when you know you're running on a mobile device, right? Like if you look at an add-in running on Outlook for iPhone, the developer does a lot of things to make that feel like part of the iPhone UI, right? Like, well, you'll skin your controls differently. There's obviously things you'll do about making sure you work great with touch. But I do fundamentally believe you can build a great add-in for Office using HTML and JavaScript. High five. Yeah. <laughs> One other thing yeah. that I'll just add to that, because up until December, I was actually on an iOS development show. And it was funny how many times it was, well, we needed this custom widget in our native app. And so what they did, they inserted a web, web view. Web. Yep. And then they styled it up with CSS, made it look like the rest of the app. You would never know. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's not as uncommon as you might think. Um, now, does that mean that these apps are written with JavaScript, or are you essentially doing what I just said? And just You have a native app, and you're inserting a web view. Uh, so, you know, Office itself is native. Like, we've built Office natively for iPad and for Mac, uh -huh. and all that's native code, but our platform is very much web. So when you're talking about the add-in, the add-in is literally just, hey, that manifest, like, the main piece of it is point me at the URL, I'll go load that URL, and then you're off to the races. And then you tell us, oh, by the way, I want a button on the ribbon that calls this function in my JavaScript, and a button on this ribbon that calls this function, and a button that opens this URL, which will have a task pane, and then that task pane is rendered in a standard task pane UI inside of Office. And then so I'm imagining that some of our listeners are probably having the same issue I'm having at this point then, and that is, you know, I do JavaScript stuff on the web. I'm used to manipulating the DOM. What exactly am I going to be doing with, you know, with extending Office, right? I mean, am I fiddling with Excel cells or, you know, what, what about Word? I mean, what kind of extension and how does that interface, you know, is it similar to the DOM? Is it different from the DOM? I mean, I, I guess the two there are two questions here. And one is, why would you do this? Like, what possibilities does it open up? And then the other question is, yeah, I mean, just, just how does it work? Sure. Let me split those. Like, the first part, like, why would you do this? Like, before I joined the platform team in Office, I worked on the Word team, the core Word team, for 12 and a half years. Uh -huh. right? And I love Word. I love, love, love Word. <laughs> probably no one who loves Word in the world as much as I do. Word. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so one of the things that, uh, though I, I, it's true about Word, and I think true and largely, is no one wants a generic word processor, right? Right. They want an app that does the legal contracts that make them money, or they want an app that does putting together memos for customers that use the standard letterhead and use the standard wording. And really, the add-in platform is a way to help developers turn Word, Excel, and PowerPoint into the apps that actually solve a user's real business problem. Right. right. And that's not saying that Word isn't awesome. It's saying, though, Word that is a contract generation tool is super awesome. And we'll give you the tools with HTML and JavaScript to go and hook into the Word UI and the APIs that let you go manipulate the paragraphs and text inside of Word so that you can build exactly what the user wants. You can build mm -hmm. that contract generation tool or that memo creation tool or an Excel. You might want to go create custom formulas. You might want to go create your own custom visualizations. Right. You know, we have a set of charts that we ship and they're great. You know, we ship custom charts that are bubble charts where the size mm -hmm. of the bubbles is rendered. We let people use D3 to generate their own Excel charts as well. Um, so you can take all the pieces of Office and really make them super custom for what you need Office to do for you. Yeah, I think um, to put it in terms that developers would really latch onto, um, I know a lot of people customize their development environment. So I use exactly. Emacs yep. and I yep. put plugins in, right? Right. Or uh, Visual Studio Code, you know, I pull in the extensions that give me yep. syntax highlighting and function lookups and all that stuff. Yep. And so. Yeah, we may all be using Visual Studio Code, but ultimately my Visual Studio Code may look totally different from yours exactly. because I'm working in a different way than you. That's and exactly so, right. Yeah. And Office like Office is only Office, I think, when it's combined with all these plugins, all these add-ins, that customize it to whatever user wants it to be. Right. Um, just like we as developers, exactly are like mm -hmm. stock VS out of the box is not that's not nobody's gonna use that. There's a yeah. heck of a lot of customization. Stock Word out of the box does some things great, and then there's a bunch of things that can be added onto it. And we really want developers to be able to add all those things and help users accomplish whatever specific tasks they need to accomplish. Yeah. 
Sean, were you trying I, to bring I was going to say another thing about why you, developers would want to extend office is it's where a lot of business workers spend their days. Mm -hmm. Like, we live our lives in, in Outlook and now Teams and writing Word docs and working with Excel all the time. And so it's a great way to kind of meet your customers where they are rather than them having to go and learn some other tool or some right. other thing. You can build an experience that fits as part of their workflow. And so you can deliver that the value to them immediately. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's, I mean, ultimately, that's what we're doing anyway, right? The software developers is we're solving some problem for some business person somewhere. Right. Exactly. So. And the value of Office uh, add-ins is that you actually get to do it in a user experience that they're already familiar with. Mm -hmm. right. So less relearning. That makes sense. So, so how did these get delivered to them? Is there like an Office store? There is. <laughs> yes. So there's actually two ways they get delivered. One, there's an Office store. So if you go into Word, Excel, and PowerPoint, there's a store button, and you can go and see just tons of integrations that we have with partners. Um, and that works for like either consumers who are going to get things like, you know, if you're in Out Outlook, you might want to go get the Yelp add-in that lets you select addresses and look for places to go and eat, or the Uber ride reminder that you can say, hey, 15 minutes before this meeting, send me a text that reminds me to go call an Uber so that I get there on time. Right. And then for enterprises, we do a whole lot to say, hey, IT needs to deploy add-ins to users' desktops. Let's make it so that it's really easy. Like, I don't want anyone having to stress about deploying MSIs. And mm -hmm. there's a lot of intricacies in standard software deployment that the web completely gets rid of, right? And we think we can bring all that goodness of, like, it's just a web app and it's just a URL to the world of add-ins and sort of make a whole lot of pain of the past completely go away. So, right. so you could do, like, a managed, IT-managed solution where it's, like, Look, everybody in the company uses this particular plugin, so exactly you just you can, distribute it with Office. That's exactly right. You can go up to a, the Office 365 admin experience and say, hey, here's an add-in. I want it to go to these specific people, or here's an add-in. I want it to go to everyone who's part of this group. Uh, and the cool thing is then I can say, hey, I create a group called you know, sales add-ins, and I say every sales guy who joins the company, just join that group, and next time you boot Excel... All the right add-ins just show up. You don't have to like go and find 15 installers. There's not a lot of stressing you have to do about what software you need. It just all gets pushed automatically. Cool. Yeah. But the other thing is, from a developer perspective, is once you've got the add-in deployed to your client, even though it feels like it's client software, it's actually backed by a web service. So you can actually push updates to the web service, and your users get the updates instantly the next time they invoke the app. Oh, nice. So it's a lot faster of a turnaround model than folks who've programmed against Office in the past have had. Nice. So what can you do with it then? I mean, you mentioned graphs, but, you know, yeah. D3, but, yeah. So there's a, like, there's a lot you can do. Like, we have a bunch of great partners who do things like, you know, Office has had clip art forever. Uh -huh. That clip art maybe doesn't look awesome in 2017. <laughs> and uh, is on the side of so many billboards. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Comic Zones MS and clip art. Uh, <laughs> I want to put Clippy back. <laughs> I love Clippy. Um, you know, Clippy and clip art are probably both dated a little bit. So we have a bunch of great partners who do things like, hey, here's a bunch of really high-quality photography. And then okay. the user can click and search for, give me like pictures of dogs or give me pictures that have a lot of white space so I can put text uh -huh. on top of them. And then click and insert those pictures into their PowerPoint slides, into their Word docs, and go and really great, great looking presentations. So you've got like a Giphy service in Office? We do. So but like business Giphy. We have a Giphy service, so if you use Outlook on your <laughs> iPhone, you can go and get the Giphy add-in. And you can click reply with Giphy, find the right GIF that's really represents what you want to say back in I that email, that. and you're off to the races. I really need so, that. Uh, <laughs> no, it's awesome. There's a lot of times where it's a much better reply than anything I could write. So, um, so we have that class of things in Word. There's a ton of just document assembly stuff where it's like, hey, here's a template that has a placeholder for the customer's name and their address and you know, 10 other things. I don't want everybody in the company having to figure out how that template should look. Right. So they just click a button and they say, hey, I'm going to send a letter to Sean. And then it fills out all the right content in all the right places. And they can just save and send that and go. Um, so really just like in Excel, there's custom charts. So we have a great, uh -huh. like somebody's done the D3 to JavaScript thing that you can now select any range in Excel and use a D3 visualization. There's a ton of things that pull in data, like data from your backend CRM gets sucked into Excel so that you can, you know, go and change fields in Excel, which is a lot more familiar than most back-end systems, and then press uh -huh. Publish and publish those changes back up. And then in Outlook, there's just a ton of stuff. You can go and look up, like, here's a customer sent me an email. What else do I know about that customer? Right. Okay, here's a bunch of other information you should know if you reply to them. 
or things like Uber and Yelp or Giphy, uh, all kinds of great ways to just turn your email into a more interactive place to work. So that's Outlook, and you well, mentioned Word. Oh, go ahead. I, I, so what about the um, conversation slash bot integrations? Yes, yeah, so totally. So the add-ins is one thing that you code using JavaScript, and then there's a bunch of other things you can do, right? Like one of the things that you can do in Outlook and Teams is this idea of connectors. That's literally just saying, hey, subscribe to this webhook. It will publish JSON. And when we get that JSON, we'll go and create a new conversation inside of Teams or inside of Outlook that is formatted in a nice-looking card, right? So I can say, hey, for example, our team has it set up so that every time someone posts on Stack Overflow with one of the tags we care about, it posts into Outlook. Like, someone's asked a new question. Here's the first 256 characters of it. And then we can have a, like, hey, who knows the answer to this question? Who's going to reply to this guy? have a little conversation quickly in Outlook, and then somebody goes off to Stack, says, oh, the answer is this. And we all know, and we all make sure that all those questions get answered super quick. Uh, and then you go into things like bots, right, where you can have bots in Teams or bots in Skype, where the back end of that can be anything you want, um, and users are interacting with it in natural language, for sure. So, so I'm wondering, though, in your example, say you have something that's monitoring Stack Overflow. Yeah. How does that work? Is there an API that you're hitting? or? Yeah, that's exactly right. So we're... The connector is literally just, we tell a Stack Overflow or whatever partner we're connecting to, hey, all you need to do is create a webhook that can hit us with a JSON formatted like this mm -hmm. when an event happens, then just publish that webhook and send us that JSON data and we take it from there. So that one is just literally declarative. So on the service side, you know, you can be using Node or whatever you want to go and publish that webhook to us. On our side, we're listening, listening, cool, something came through. That starts a conversation, cool, something came through. And whether that's Stack or, you know, for Visual Studio, for VSDS, you can have a setup for what happens to this build. Oh, build failed. You know, you get a conversation and then someone can go, okay, who broke the build? What's going on? Who's going to fix this? Mm -hmm. And then someone can actually run over and take care of it. Um, but it's a great way to bring all that stuff that's happening into Outlook, which for a lot of business users, like they live in Outlook. Great. So let's take all the notifications in the universe and rather than have to have 20 different apps that are shooting 20 different sets of notifications... It's all just conversations and email, and they can do all the standard email things, right? They can forward it along. Mm -hmm. They can add people and have a discussion about whose fault that bill break was, all the fun stuff that you'd want to be able to do right? for all the services in the universe and all within Outlook. So, so you're essentially looking for these services to push data to you? That's right. In the connector case, it's a push model. So the service can say, hey... Here's a little config UI so the user can choose what notifications they want, and then they push us data. Mm -hmm. Add-ins are a little more of an open season where it's like, hey, it's just HTML and JavaScript. Whatever you want to do, show us rectangles of UI and task pane through dialog boxes. Mm -hmm. And then bots is natural language, right? It's just I say to the bot, like, hello, and the bot can come back and say, hi, here are the things I can do. And then you can go mm -hmm. and have a discussion to do whatever you want. So one other thing that I'm, I'm kind of going to go back to another example you gave, and that was, you know, a template, for example. Yeah. And let's say that you want to pull information, not necessarily out of Outlook into Word or Excel, but off of a third-party service like a CRM or something. So can you build those kinds of web calls out from yeah, your JavaScript? Absolutely. That's the lion's share, I'd say, of, of what, the, what folks do with it is, Hey, here's a word template with a bunch of placeholders. I need to go to my backend CRM, which you know could be uh -huh. anything. Could be Salesforce, could be Dynamics, right. could be some custom backend that they've had for 20 years. I'm gonna go and grab the right data from all the backend systems and pump that into Word. Or, hey, I've got a set of you know snippets of like, hey, if you're gonna talk about policy renewal for insurance, you should say it like this, and the user can scroll and say, hey, I need to write a letter that is the like. You know, we're renewing your policy. The new premium is X. Okay, there's the word. Click a button, and then they can use our JavaScript APIs to say, okay, cool, add a new paragraph to Word. Here's the text. And then that paragraph shows up right in the document. The user doesn't have to type it. They don't have to worry about getting the words right. It's all stored in some back-end, you know, database that is kept by that company of, like, okay, here are the approved ways you talk about these 10 or 20 things that we have to tell customers. So what about secret data, then? Like, if I have to put in a username and password in order to authenticate or, you know, store some API key or OAuth token? So you can definitely do, so one of the things we're announcing at Build this year, which I think is super cool, is we're going to make it so that as long as the user signed into Office, you can actually go and get an auth token straight from us. Uh -huh. So you can just call a JavaScript API that says, hey, 
give me an identity token for the signed in user and we'll hand back a JWT that is whatever user signed into Office and that's uh -huh. coming from Azure Active Directory or from whatever if they're using a Microsoft account from our consumer right. directory service. And then you've got everything you need to go and authenticate them against your own backend. And that's standard OpenID Connect OAuth. We don't do anything secret or fancy. We try to be very standard about that stuff. Uh, and then if you want to do more, you can actually take that identity token and you can say, hey, can I exchange that for a token that can call the Microsoft Graph? Right. And we'll give you back a token that you can then go and call our services and go nuts, mm -hmm. looking at users' mail, calendar, contacts, right. all the intelligence and insights, all the great stuff we have up in our cloud, assuming the user consents. So there's a consent step where you got to decide, this app wants to get access to the following things, are you okay with that? But assuming they say yes, you've got a token that can go and grab whatever data you want from our backends. Well, what about third-party services? So like Google, for example, you know, I want to connect to my Gmail account, um, you know, so I have to go do the OAuth you know, song and dance, maybe I have two-factor two authentication on my phone. And anyway, so I want it to connect that way. Where, where does it store that token? And how does it store it securely? Yeah, so we sort of leave that up to the developer to decide how they want to handle that. Um, we have facilities to make sure you can pop a dialog box and you can go through the OAuth flow mm -hmm. and that token comes back. Uh, we try in as many places as we can to not sort of demand that you do things a certain way, but to say, hey, like, we don't have a strong opinion, here's the token. What most devs do is then store it up in their own service because they can do some, they can actually secure that token and do all the right things right. to handling it. You could theoretically cache it in the browser in a cookie if you want to, like, but we, we try to stay agnostic to stuff like that and really let people do whatever they think is most appropriate for the scenario that they have. Right. So the other question I, that I have then is, what does the API actually look like then from JavaScript to say, insert a paragraph or create this graph or you know add this image in or whatever yeah so uh what we try to do with office js is sort of meld two worlds and they're two kind of very different worlds that we hope we've done a good job of melding uh one is like the world of javascript and the other one is hey there was an existing object model for word excel powerpoint that mm -hmm. was built you know many years ago in the com era and has a pretty good representation of the object hierarchy of the apps and the things you can do. Like for Excel, it knows there's a workbook and that's a collection of worksheets. And those collections, those worksheets are have ranges and those ranges have names and all that fun stuff. Um, so we said, hey, how do we make bring all those into sort of JavaScript syntax and maybe fix some of the sins of the past? We did some weird naming stuff 20 years ago around uh -huh. what we call different objects, but try to keep the spirit of that object hierarchy as similar to what we had before as we can. So if you're kind of familiar with Excel, the UI, you go look at Excel, the API, you'll see that it's, you know, workbook.worksheets.getItem, and you can go and say, pass us the name of a worksheet, or you can pass us the index of a worksheet. But hopefully it feels super familiar, both mm -hmm. to JavaScript devs and to folks who've been doing old school Office Com development, which we still love, who are looking to come forward into this era of sort of modern web dev, um, and they don't get totally freaked out that it's something completely different from what they're used to. That makes sense. So what's the process of getting set up then? Is it just install Word on your machine and then download the Office JS and then just kind of go nuts? Or Well, I actually provide a variety of options. So yeah, you can just uh, like essentially download Office, write the XML manifest, take a sample, and then you can sideload it into Office through different mechanisms. But another way that you can do it is actually through the web app. So there's uh -huh. actually no install required because you can actually go work against Office Online. And there, in the insert menu, there's a way for you to go and configure your add-ins. And then there's a upload a manifest there. And so you just upload that XML file, and then it's going to work against whatever web service that you have set up, either on your local machine mm -hmm. or up in the cloud. So, uh, And we've tried to make it as much like regular web development as you want, so it's bring your own tools. So if you want, you're very comfortable with Visual Studio or Visual Studio Code, party on. If you want to go use your own thing, you can do that as well. So one other thing I'm wondering about then, because I mean, if it's within the context of the desktop app, you know, there's a lot of sandboxing that goes on. The, the operating system kind of handles a lot of that. On the web, it's kind of a different animal, right? Where um, you may be loading, I don't know if how you're handling this, if you're just loading in the JavaScript files and the manifest information from my plugin. And, you know, if, if I'm going to be a jerk, you know, I could make it interact poorly with other plugins or mess with people's data. 
you know, and since it's, you know, depending on how it's loaded into the page, you know, it could be considered a first class citizen and actually really goof stuff up. So for the web experience, you know, how, how do you, A, protect me as a plugin developer from other people's plugins? And B, how do you make sure that the security works nicely so that they don't, you know, reach in through my JavaScript and, you know, take advantage of what I've got going on to my own backend? Yeah, so I think we, we try to cover that two ways. You're, you're absolutely right that, like, we stress a lot about how we sandbox these things, right? And, like, on the rich clients on Windows or, or Mac, every add-in runs is a separate, like, it's basically a separate instance of mm -hmm. the browser. Uh, and then we go and sandbox it even further to say, hey, I don't want that guy accessing any local resources at all. Like, his world should have, yep, you can go call out to the web, and that's totally cool. Uh, or you can use our APIs to get access to the document. But that's uh -huh. literally how I want to lock you down. Um, and even those are gated behind that manifest I talked about. Mm -hmm. You have to tell us, I want permission to do the following things. And when right. the user goes and gets your add-in, we'll say, hey, this add-in is going to be able to access the web. This access add-in is going to access your document. Are you cool with that? And then if they assume they say yes, then we open those pipes so they can go and talk to those things. Right. Um, but we really do try to sandbox the heck out of it. And on the web, they're just iframes. Like we iframe everything away so that, uh -huh. hey, it's not one page that has everybody's sort of plugins intermingled and I can go and poke at other people's stuff. But we try to use iframes to sandbox the heck out of these things to say, hey, you're, you're in a different domain. You'll see your rectangle and you'll see our APIs, but you don't have access to go mess with bits of our DOM. Like you can't go into the browser and say, hey, the ribbon should be pink and I'm going to go and change the CSS of the ribbon to make it look a little different or I'm going to go delete some buttons because I don't like the fact that you have these buttons in this order. Um, we make sure that Office experience can only be sort of manipulated through the ways that we prescribe, which ensures that Office always kind of looks like Office. But the plugins, of course, can go and add things to the ribbon. Like you can still add buttons, you can add tabs, but you can only do it in the ways we say are okay and not in the like, I'm just going to start hacking at the, your DOM behind the scenes to try to turn it into something that it's not. Right. Iframes, it just makes me kind of cringe a little bit because I've seen it abused so many times. Yes. Um, but I've also dealt with the issues where you load an iframe into a page and then it doesn't it doesn't have the kind of access that it needs to do the job. So how do you allow it access then to the document? That Office JS is really like our JavaScript library is our answer to that. And we keep looking for, like I would say, the JavaScript library we have is very much a result of us spending time with developers saying, what do you need? Like, what does that pipe between you and Office need to look like? Uh -huh. What holes do you need? What access do you need to the document? What things do you need to be able to change? And we're constantly sort of in real time adding capabilities to it and opening new pipes and opening new capabilities to hopefully let it do all the things it wants to do. So how, how do you handle, I mean, I'm sure there must be API changes as part of this process where you've got to maintain backwards compatibility yes. with, with stuff. But then you find like, oh, well, we need this API to change in such a way that it's not backwards compatible. So do you end up splitting those? Or how, I mean, is there lots of old code or how does that work? Yeah. Well, one of the lucky things we got to do with the JavaScript model, the whole thing is kind of a, hey, we had 25 years of experience building the column APIs. And, you know, I think we learned all the right things to do and we probably learned some of the wrong things to do. And we were able to sort of aggregate all that knowledge and start building a new API from scratch with a little bit of this like, okay, we have all the foresight of, with all the right intentions, here are the mistakes you're gonna make, let's not make those ones. Um, but we do have cases where we'll change the behavior of an API and what we do there is, uh, every set of APIs is gated behind something called a requirement set. So you say, hey, I assert I need access to this set of APIs, which serve requirement set X, like maybe it's Excel 1.1, and then over time, we can say, hey, we're going to replace API A with API B. We're going to create a new requirement set for that. So you as a developer can say, hey, I assert I need access to these requirement sets. And you get an aggregate set of APIs you can go and work with that isn't like fixed forever. But largely, what you'll see us do is uh, back compat is super important to us. Uh, there's one thing I think I've learned from the comm days. It's, you know, people still have add-ins that were written in the early 90s that work in Office <laughs> because we were really hardcore about back compat. So you'll very rarely see us break something versus say, okay, we're going to deprecate that one in place and we're going to create a new requirement set or a new way of doing that as a second thing and tell developers, hey, you should assert you need that requirement set and get those APIs and do it that way. 
we'll see how that works out. You know, and you can come back in 10 years and ask us how well, many times did we trip <laughs> over ourselves and how many deprecated requirement sets are there. I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm just kind of wondering because when you're talking about, I mean, I don't know how big the office installer is, but even hard drives are smaller than they used to be now. So you can't take up 25 gigs of you know, space, and you certainly can on a phone. You know, you got to, at some point you have to remove stuff, or maybe you don't. Yeah, no, I think it's a great question. Um, I would say we're not at the point yet. Like, we have a ton of APIs. We announced a bunch more this week. We're sort of rapidly building out what you can do, with, especially in Excel right now. Um, we haven't gotten to the point where we've had to start talking about removing things. It's an interesting question of whether or not over time we're going to end up wanting to remove things completely. One of the things we do do with Office JS, so we talk about the APIs as one JavaScript library, but really it's a bootstrapper that brings in a bunch of the pieces that you need. So if okay. you as a developer say, hey, I need X, Y, and Z, we just bootstrap in in real time. Okay, here are the three little parts of the library that are actually needed. You well, don't have to bring the whole monolith in all at once. How does that work on mobile where, I mean, don't, don't you have to get the app approved and it has to have all the components or do they allow so downloaded components now? This episode is sponsored by Newbie Remote Conf. Newbie Remote Conf is a two-day completely virtual conference hosted by none other than Charles Max Wood. If travel expenses are an issue or you just can't afford to be away from home for two days, then join us. It's virtual. This conference is focused on people who are new to programming who want to learn what the pros know or just get a leg up in getting a job and getting into the programming community. We'll have speakers from all over the programming community to help you stay current in a Slack room where you can connect with speakers and other attendees in real time. We'll also have a live roundtable video chat for attendees and speakers, plus we'll provide the talk recordings to you within days of the conference. You can go get downloaded components because we're using, like in the iOS case, we're just using Safari, like we're using the browser that the mm -hmm. operating system gives us. And we have a little bit of flexibility to go and say, okay, because these are just web apps, as long as we're living within you know, the box we've been given for here's the browser control and here's what it can do, we're able to sort of do that bootstrapping on the fly. It's another one of the virtues of being based on the web is every platform, even you know restricted platforms like mobile, have a web browser, have a JavaScript execution runtime, and allow for, in the way their app guidelines are written, apps that are using that sort of dynamic loading capability. So rather than Office trying to go build some, oh, here's a native DLL and running afoul of, well, the app shouldn't be downloading DL binaries from the web in real time, we can say, no, no it's just the web. Right, and it goes through the same execution runtime that any other web content on the platform goes through. Yeah, iOS, they actually consider HTML, CSS, and JavaScript to be static assets, and so they are downloadable and replaceable within an app. Right. And so, yeah, you get around that that way. Right. So we have web, you know, WebKit lets us bring all that stuff yep. in, and in the future, if we don't want UI, we can just go reference JavaScript core. And we'll still be able to pull down yeah. JavaScript libraries and do that runtime inside of Office yeah. while respecting all the rules of the platform. Yeah, that's also why, for example, React Native apps and Cordova apps are able to just, right. you right. know, they, they can push hot fixes up because all of their logic is executed by JavaScript core. And, you know, and since JavaScript's considered static assets, you know, they can just do that. Yeah. And then a lot of the rest of it, you know, the, the native components within it are binaries, and so right. they can't replace those on the fly. Yeah. It's just another one of the many reasons that we love the web. Yeah. Right? Is it gives us this, like, oh, if Office is an Office without add-ins, you need a way to make sure those add-ins work, even in the, the universe of iOS or Android or any other mobile platform where, yep, that owner of that platform's got rules, but generally those rules have to allow for the web. So that gives us a great way to make sure we can respect the rules, but also respect yeah. the fact that without plugins, Excel isn't Excel, Word isn't Word. Mm -hmm. <coughs> so one of the things that is really important to me when I'm writing code is testing. So writing unit tests and integration tests. Um, is there a good way to get tests around a plugin like this so that I can run it through like continuous integration or something like that? Well, I... Uh, what I would say is that's probably a place where we still have work to do. So we've done a lot of work on, on the dev experience around getting these projects stood up. Uh, one of the things I know we're still working on is like, for example, uh, I really want to mock of Office.js so that you can say, hey, I can mock out the whole app and just build a bunch of web tests. Mm -hmm. right? um, that's not fully in place yet, 
we have a bunch of open source projects that partners have started that do exactly that. Right. Like our best partners, what they've done is said, hey, I know I have these 15 APIs. That's what matters to me. So I'm going to mock those 15 APIs. And then it's just a web app, right? Mm -hmm. Office is completely out of the equation, and it's just a web app, but I can go use whatever tools I want to use right. to go and build a great testing library. And I've seen some amazing stuff get built. Now, do I want to provide the definitive Office JS mock? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Like That's something you'll see us do. Um, we're not quite there yet, but we're working closely with all the folks we've seen go and build this stuff to say, hey, how did you do it? What pieces did you build? What can we learn from that? Um, ultimately, I'd love this and most of the stuff we do to just live as open source, right? Like, whatever that mock is should just be a thing on GitHub right. where people can contribute to it and say, hey, yep. here's an interesting test case for this API. I want to make sure it behaves like this. Uh, and you can just take any add-in and say, okay, replace our real OfficeJS with this mock one and go nuts. And you've basically got a standalone web project without any dependencies on any of the Office client bits anywhere in your system. Right. So uh, we're getting close. And I've seen, like I said, some of our best partners who've had to solve this problem while we're still getting the official solution built have done an amazing job doing exactly that for the set of APIs that they care about. So it's certainly possible. They've proven it to me time and time again that it's certainly possible. Yeah. So. Yeah, and the the projects that we create in, in Visual Studio for it are all based on the ASP.NET infrastructure. So all of the VSTS continuous integration, continuous delivery pipelines just kind of work for this. The only thing you need to think about really is like, the, having different manifests for each version of your environment that you're deploying to. Mm -hmm. And other than that, you, you can just follow the, the same kind of pipeline that, that you'd use for any web, web development. Yeah. Very cool. So I'm also wondering a little bit here. So I guess you can just write it with whatever. I guess two questions. One is any version of JavaScript that includes like TypeScript or whatever, as long as you transpile it to something the browser can run. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and we even publish. So if you go up to Definitely Typed, you'll see we publish all the Definitely Typed files for Office JS. So like oh, nice. a huge chunk of the team is like <laughs> in like big TypeScript fans. Like we've got some very yeah. big TypeScript fans back back in Redmond right now, and they've done a lot of work to make sure that the TypeScript experience is excellent. Like um, you yeah. can go in and play with it and get all the IntelliSense you'd ever want. Yeah, and we've also been getting a lot of good help and advice from the TypeScript team itself. They seem to, you know, spend some spare time with us, kind of giving yes. us advice on how best to use the use their uh, capabilities. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, so those who aren't familiar, I, I don't like to assume that people know. Yes. But yeah, definitely typed is basically a collection of typing files for TypeScript. Right. And there's a, basically a runtime process that parses your TypeScript and gives you feedback on your code, you know, checks it for errors, right. things like that. It runs in the background on, like, Visual Studio Code. Exactly. But, you know, you can also run it in the background on, like, Emacs and stuff, you know, just depending on how you have things set up. But, yeah, so it, it essentially does that type checking for you and does, you know, both at compile time as well as, you know, at when you're running it and, and editing it so that you can get that feedback and say, no, you're trying to edit a table in Word that you know, right. you, you have the wrong type because this is actually expecting you to have a different type. Exactly. Yeah, and those same folks, like one of the cool things is uh, the same folks that are in love with TypeScript and done an amazing job there actually said, hey, I don't necessarily want the user to have to have any IDE at all. What if there was an IDE built into Word, Excel, and PowerPoint that let me do the JavaScript and, or TypeScript and HTML that I want right there? So uh -huh. they actually built, if you go to our office store, there's an add-in called ScriptLab. Script Lab is literally, you hit the code button, and you've got an, a web IDE right there. I can go, go start typing JavaScript code, play with our APIs. It uses TypeScript by default, so you'll get all the IntelliSense you want. Mm -hmm. And then I hit play, and it takes that JavaScript and turns it into an add-in, and actually compiles it in real time, and lets me go and run it right there in the browser. Nice. So it's a great way to kind of get started with this stuff. Is like, oh, boot up Script Lab. I think there are probably like 50 or 60 snippets we've written of like, hey, here's insert a picture into PowerPoint, or hey, here's add a paragraph of text to Word, or bold every third word, or a bunch of different things that show how the API might work. Mm -hmm. Click on them, you've got all the JavaScript, you've got all the HTML, and you've got all the CSS that was needed for that. And then you hit run. We actually just load that up in the browser, and it executes, and you can sort of watch and say, ah, okay, that's how they did that, or okay, that's how that would work. It's a much better way to learn than like documentation. Right. Spend a lot of time on our docs, um, and I love our docs, but at the same time, as soon as I saw this, I'm like, oh, 
I don't want dogs. I just want a ton of snippets because I want to be able to go and go, how does that work? Okay, I'm going to change that line. Oh, ah, interesting. Okay, that's how that works. It's amazing how quickly you learn this stuff just by getting some code put in front of you that mm-hmm. does something and say, okay, can I make it do this other thing? And you can you know, start playing around and with the TypeScript IntelliSense pretty quickly, hopefully get your bearings in the universe and create some interesting stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah, the other, the other part of this question is what kinds of third-party JavaScript libraries can I pull in? I mean, you mentioned like D3, but is there any limitation on which JavaScript libraries I can pull in or you know how, how large the package can be to AJ's point? Or We don't have any limitations in place right now. We have partners that, are, that use Angular. We have partners that are big React fans. Like, if you can go and use it on the web, you can use it in one of these add-ins. Um, and there's probably some good questions about, you know, um, I won't get into sort of the debate about what libraries should you use if you want to optimize for PLT on this or that. PLT? Uh, page load time. Okay. So if you're really obsessed with like, oh, when the user clicks the button, how fast is that task plane up and running and rendering? Uh-huh. I don't, I, again, I want to take this position of like, hey, Office, just we love the web. And if you're a web dev, you bring whatever preferences around frameworks, around tools, around, you know, TypeScript versus JavaScript, anything you want, just come in with that opinion, and we're a blank canvas. We'll just let you do what you need to do. Um, and we've seen some amazing results. Like, there have been some really excellent add-ins that have come in that do things that I never thought of, right? And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, cool. Like, I get it. Like, that brings a bunch of interesting stuff from the web down into Word, Excel, or PowerPoint in a way that leverages, you know, tons of libraries that already exist. You can sort of build on the shoulders of every web dev who's come before you to go and build something really neat pretty quick. So, yeah. So one other thing that I'm thinking here, and I'm just trying to think as evil as I can, right? <laughs> so my next dirty thought is browser extensions. So browser extensions in a lot of cases inject JavaScript into the page. Yes. So could I build a browser extension that effectively built what, what am I thinking? So effectively would build a document for me using Office JS. Or, you know, something interesting like that where there's there's an API, I'm assuming you basically have to be on page in order to use it. Yeah, right now you do have to be part you have to be part of our page to use it. because um, it communicates pretty deeply with the actual uh-huh. backing model of the document. Yeah. You're totally right though that the browser extension level you can you can kinda go nuts, right? You could probably build a browser extension that makes the ribbon pink. Uh-huh. Like there's a certain point at which like uh, we embrace the fact that you know our right. online apps are just web apps. Yeah, you can do whatever you want as web apps. If you use our added model, we'll try to make the world as safe for you as we can. Mm-hmm. But at some point, you know the browsers has a lot more power over what it right. lets things do than we can actually exert as an individual mm-hmm. web app ourselves. To me, it seems like the best practice in that case is what you're what you're doing is. Make it easier to do it the right way than to do it the exactly. wrong way. Right. Right. You know, if you make it easy to do the right way, then you're not going to have people making honest mistakes. And when it comes to people that are really trying to screw things up, and I mean, <laughs> once somebody's clicked on the whatever that downloads to their computer, the whole thing's hosed anyway. Yeah. Right. You've already opened Pandora's box a little bit at that point. I agree. Yeah. We spend a lot of energy like. I just want to give you people so many APIs in our JavaScript library that you're right. Actually hacking at the DOM that is Office Online is way less interesting because it's so fragile, right? Like tomorrow mm-hmm. we might change the name of this div or we might move around this piece of the hierarchy. But here's an API that I promise is stable, that I promise is performant, and that will be there next week and next month and next year that lets you do most of the same things, if not mm-hmm. all of them. Like probably won't ever let you turn the ribbon pink, but you know, we'll probably let you play with all the content of Excel and all the stu- shapes on a PowerPoint slide and all the paragraphs in a Word document for sure. Uh, so, so could you conceive? I mean, I'm trying to conceive too. Like, where are the limitations? Um, I mean, you could effectively have it build a complete document for you that does some, you know, wacky thing and has weird properties to it, all within the context of Office JS. And so, you, I mean, I, I'm just seeing somebody making this into a game of some kind or, you know, something like that where it's, it's okay, well, the third slide in PowerPoint, you know, takes you to a link to the 16th slide that does this other weird thing that, you know, and you could essentially just do something that's, that's totally off the wall, but within the parameters of I'm building a document. Yeah, I, I, we actually love that stuff. Like, uh, I've seen people do crazy stuff like build Battleship in Excel, right? Where they're like, oh, 
it's a grid. Uh-huh. With a grid, I can go and do all the things that Battleship lets me do. So I just say, go put X's where the boats are, and then I check that it's actually valid. Like, yep, there's one that's five long, and one that's four long, and one that's three oh, long. Oh, that's awesome. And then an add-in that just says, okay. On his side, he says, you know, goes to his grid and says, X. And it goes and checks and says, nope, you missed. Like, we love that. I actually love that stuff because uh, it helps us exercise the power of the APIs that we've built. Uh-huh. And as long as you're within the constraints of our APIs, like, who am I to say what's a great add-in, what's a useful one, what's not a useful one? Like, that might be more useful for a lot of people than, than you know, that contract builder app because it serves some purpose. So um, people have done some really clever stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I've seen people do Pong things with Excel, <laughs> like... Excel being a grid just lets you do all this awesome stuff of like, you know, it's probably not the fastest Pong game in the world, but like, you can just have the little circle <laughs> move through the grid and you can move the paddles around. It's, it's clever stuff. So that sounds kind of like uh, the the level of inefficiency of GIMP lets you export bitmap images to HTML, <laughs> where like <laughs> it basically creates a table with all the cells, size yeah. pixel one. Yes, and. It's like interesting. Like, if you can find some use for that, more power to you. That's sort of what I think on all that stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. kind of fun. It's awesome stuff. So, what is the craziest thing that you've seen done with this what API? Cra- I think Battleship was the pretty Battleship cool. one is pretty. That's pretty neat. Like, stands out, and it works pretty well. Like, uh-huh. like you're like, oh yeah, that kind of makes sense. Uh, like, and I've seen that like. We do hackathons as a team three times a year and kind of let people play with this kind of stuff, and they come up with all kinds of fun stuff. I really like the was it the Star Wars entering credits uh, or entering text theme for was it for PowerPoint where it turned like a your text and had it kind of fade in. Oh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> nice. That was yeah. pretty cool. Absolutely. So we've seen all kinds of great stuff. Like most of the things in the store, obviously, are a little more like buttoned up like business, oh, yeah. business app things but when you get outside of the store and you have to tell the team like hey here's a bunch of APIs let's exercise them they'll do all kinds of crazy stuff to, to kick it in ways that you never thought were possible so yeah so one last thing that I'm wondering about as far as all of this goes is that if you're building a plugin that adds real value to somebody right a lot of these businesses they like having the integrations between their office suite and whatever other tools or services they're using, right? But if I'm creating that connection, a lot of times I'm going to want to get paid for my work. And so I'm assuming that there's, you know, you said there's an app store essentially and uh, people can get the extensions on there. How does that work as far as, okay, but you've got to pay for the office integration to myawesomeservice.com you know, is does Microsoft take a cut of that? You know, how do you get paid? How do you check how many people are downloading it? All that kind of stuff. Yeah, so there's two ways that folks can do it. Uh, so you can do paid add-ins through the store. So I can either do the standard, you know, perpetual 99 cents and you've got my add-in thing, or I can do subscriptions where it's mm-hmm. like, hey, you know, two ninety nine a month and here's the access to the add-in. So that set of folks, probably a smaller set of folks from group two, which is just because this is a web app, you can go and say, hey, the add-in is free, but logging into the service behind it, you need right. a subscription. Um, and we actually, I'd, I'd say, encourage that model because most of the integrations with Office, the integration is just a piece of some larger piece of software. Right? Uh-huh. Like, I've got my SaaS app. I've got my thing that I'm building. That's what I'm charging for. And just a feature of this really awesome app I've built on the web is, oh, and by the way, it exports to Excel. And here's an add-in for Excel that can go and filter all the table data and pull right. it in and format it in some really cool way, create a pivot table, um, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So we actually tell developers, like, hey, you can certainly go through the store, but you don't need to. Like, I'm not in the business of trying to, like, get you to pay me a little bit of 10 cents on the dollar for everything you build. I'm really in the business of making sure that you can integrate with Office as quickly as you mm-hmm. possibly can and help your users and help our users do, like, awesome stuff and get on with their day. What if I wanted them to pay for a, pay a dollar for Battleship or something? You can totally do it. You can. There are paid add-ins in the store, so um, you can go through and you set up the set like, it up, and they two ninety nine. And then when I go to the store, I, you know, it uses the same Microsoft account that you use to buy Xbox games or mm-hmm. movies in your Xbox or Windows apps in the Windows Store. Okay, it's all the same commerce engine, so you can go and pull all that kind of stuff. But we don't like, like I said, we're not like 
spending a bunch of time. We're not stressed right. about like, hey, I really want to get a bunch of paid apps because I want to get my cut of the mm -hmm. revenue those apps are generating. What I really want is just as many cool add-ins in our store as possible. And even if they were all free, I would be super excited because there'd be yep. a ton of free integrations of Word, Excel, and PowerPoint that hook them to all the other great pieces of software in the universe. So the last question I have is, it sounds like they're was or is kind of a native way of writing plugins that yeah that's right and it still works yep. still absolutely works and we'll we spend <laughs> a, like there's the big chunk of my team that's thinking about how to bring all of office's platform to the web and then there's a chunk of the team that says but that native way using calm that needs to work forever like and no matter what changes that boat needs to stay like right side up and smooth sailing mm -hmm. um so all of that will keep working as well is there one way that's more capable than the other? The, well, the awesome thing about the web model is that, like I said, it's cross-platform, right? Like what we're seeing more and more with Office is like, hey, a company won't have desktops that everybody's using. Like it's not like the, I show up my first day of work and there's a tower under my desk right. in a 17-inch monitor and it's like, okay, this is your PC. It's like, hey, BYOD, like if you've got a MacBook, bring it in. Or if you want to yeah. use an iPad Pro, bring that in. Uh, and all those folks come in and they say, okay, cool. I've got Office, so I expect to be able to use all the add-ins that the company has. Uh -huh. Obviously, that COM model is like super tightly tied to Windows in a way that like right. those add-ins run in one place. They run on their Win32 apps on Windows. Okay. Whereas these modern apps run like Mac, browser, PC, iPad. They sort of let you go everywhere, and we think that that mm -hmm. really lines up with what users expect of Office itself, which is just right. This is my device. This is where I want to use Word. Give me an app that lets me use Word on this device. Same thing for add-ins. This is my Word. I want the add-in for Word. I don't care that I'm on an iPad, but I want to be able to use this add-in. So. Makes sense. I just, yeah, I just kind of envisioned, oh, okay, if there's another way, is there a reason you would ever use it? Yeah, the Calm model was built in an era, right? Like, And there was a long time where Office was a set of desktop apps for uh -huh. Windows, and we built a really, I think, great extension model for desktop apps on Windows, and then we had to step back and say, hey... We've now shipped a Mac version, we've shipped an online version, we've shipped mobile right. versions. That COM thing isn't going to work, right? Yeah. Like getting a COM assembly to run in our web apps, like the idea of like, you know, oh, we're going to take that and run it on the service and try to remote the UI it creates to the client, like mm -hmm. that would that gives me nightmares. Versus saying, <laughs> hey, it's just a web app. Like that's yeah. awesome. It fits natively into the browser. It does everything you'd expect. Like in all the governance models, everything's set up for that thing to be awesome. The COM add-in model is set up to be awesome in one place, and that's Windows. And so we'll make sure it works great in Windows, but we'll encourage folks to think about Office as a constellation. Your add-in should totally follow users around. Sounds good. Is there anything we should have asked about that we didn't think of? I don't think so. That's a pretty good tour around, I think, what we've done. Uh, well, one thing I would like to call out is that, like, if folks were actually interested uh, in the the um, the app model that we've just been talking about, they should go to dev.office.com to learn more about it because that's where all of our documentation is, and there's lots of great ways to get started there. So, definitely like to call that out. Yeah, and we're all over Stack Overflow. Like, if you go to any question, community gets to a fair number of them, but if nobody else gets them, our engineers and PMs <laughs> are there answering questions every day. Um, like we really take a lot of pride in making sure that like if folks are stuck, we'll make sure they get unstuck, which I nice. think is pretty cool. And then even like with the APIs themselves, like the last thing I think we're doing that's really cool, and you can tell me whether you agree, is uh, every time we add an API to Excel, even before we code it, that the spec for those new APIs, we publish it to GitHub. Like mm -hmm. our master doc repo is what's shipped, and then we have forks that are. And here's the next thing we're going to go and build. And you can go at any point to that GitHub repo and say, what are they working on for Excel APIs? And right there in the open, there's the spec. Literally, the engineers who are coding the product are reading the same uh, markdown files in the same repo that you as a developer can come and look at. And you can comment. You can add issues. Like You can have a dialogue with that PM mm -hmm. like you're on the team, like you're sitting in our hallway from halfway across the world because... The only reason we build APIs is so people will use them to build cool stuff. Right. I don't want APIs that nobody wants, and I don't want to miss building APIs that everybody wants. And mm -hmm. So we try to say, hey, if we just open the books, like it's way easier to have that conversation when you say, hey, next quarter we're going to go build these 20 things. Are that the right 20 things? And somebody will come along and say, hey, if you're going to do pivot tables and you don't do this other thing that I don't see, well, then it's, why are you doing it at all? And we'll be like, right. oh, great. 
you're right. Plan changed. Like, I don't. I think I've only seen one pull request set up on our specs that was <laughs> external. But like, I love the idea that somebody can come along and go, "That spec is wrong." Like, I'm going to fix your spec and I'm going to submit a PR <laughs> and I'm going to tell you how to do it. Yeah. And the PM nice. can look at that and go, "Oh, that guy's totally right." Like, yeah. Whoever he or she is out in the universe is right. I'm going to accept that pull request and literally change the design of Office from halfway around the world. Like that just to me like embodies everything we want to build with this new platform. So. Nice. Yeah. You hear that, folks? You can tell them what to do. <laughs> you should all tell us what to do. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. Well, before we go to picks, is there anything else you want to talk about or hit upon before we go? If people want to we... fo follow you on GitHub or Twitter or anything. Yeah. So our, uh, if you go to GitHub, we're Whack Office Dev. Uh -huh. and under the Office Dev, you'll find a ton of repos that are samples. Our docs are there. All that great stuff is there. We also have uh, WAC Microsoft Graph. So the thing, you know, we haven't talked a lot about Graph, which is our sort of service APIs. Uh -huh. We have a great JavaScript SDK for those as well. Like if you want to go and build Node apps, or you want to build, you know, single page client side apps, you can go and import our Graph SDK and work with that as well. It's a ton of great stuff at WAC Microsoft Graph. Um, again, those docs are out in the open, just like they are on the client. You can go and you can post issues. You can go and comment. You can go and make pull requests. Uh, we love that kind of stuff. Like, we really live for having a really open dialogue with our developer community about like, what have we done that's right? What have we done that's not right? And what should we be doing differently? Like, I, I only feel like I'm successful if I'm getting constant feedback on like what's working and what's not. Mm -hmm. So the people can build really awesome web stuff inside of Office. Nice. But what about you, you guys personally? People want to check in on what you're up to. Sure. Uh, so I'm a Canadian transplant to the U.S. Grew up in the west side of Canada in Calgary. Uh, got came down to work at Microsoft straight out of school. Uh, the school <laughs> I went to, Waterloo. Microsoft recruits pretty heavily there. Um, and I came down saying, I'm going to work at Microsoft for two years. And I'm going to do something different. And then I woke up and I was like, oh, I've been here for 13 years. That's, that's a surprise. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Like I said, I worked on Word for a really long time. Um, there's probably no app in the world that uh, is as known by as many people as Word. Uh -huh. like, you can't show up in a room and tell people you worked on Word without them knowing what it is and then having like 10 minutes of feedback for you about like what's good about it and what, uh -huh. what we should have done differently, which I think is just super fun. Uh, and then we moved over to platform and much the same thing. Like it's a different group of users, like you know, talking to developers specifically, but again, the developers who work on Office like are really passionate about it and like. If I tell somebody I own the Office platform, who cares about Office? We have like an incredibly interesting conversation. Like they can tell me, "This is great, but you need to change these ten things." And I just love that stuff. Like that is kind of what I get up for mm -hmm. at work is those conversations. So, good deal. And and I have a bizarrely similar story. <laughs> <laughs> I also went to the University of Waterloo and yes. uh, came here to Microsoft uh, 13 years ago. Nice. Um, and except I joined the Visual Studio team. And so I spent over over a decade working on various aspects of Visual Studio, including like the editor, VB, C Sharp. Um, and then one day I got an opportunity to work on the Office tools in VS, and uh, I kind of fell in love with it. And then I, uh, about a year and a half ago, made the leap and said I wanted to work on the platform. So Tristan was like, kind of gave me the opportunity to work there, and I've been pretty happy, uh, kind of. Ha being able to help influence the the platform itself and yeah. being able to kind of sh really shape like office development. Mm -hmm. He keeps me honest. He tells me all the things <laughs> I'm wrong about. Sean's job is to be like, nah, that's not quite right. You should do it a little differently. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. Yeah. And he's my boss. <laughs> well, there you go. Sounds like my wife. She tells me where I'm wrong and she's my boss. <laughs> all right. Well, um, let's go ahead and do the pitch. Have you ever felt like you're falling behind or that the programming world is moving so fast that it's impossible to keep up? Then there's the issue of where to go to make sure you're up to date. The answer is to join a community dedicated to discussing the latest in JavaScript. I mean, wouldn't it be nice if you got JavaScript Jabber all day? Well, you can, kind of. We've created a Slack community for JavaScript Jabber. That means that you can connect with our listeners and guests on a platform you're most likely already using. Plus, we've set up a Keeping Current channel that pulls stories from across the web to help you know what people are talking about. And coming soon, we'll be holding monthly webinars and roundtable video chats to connect with experts in the community and with each other. 
So come join us at javascriptjabber.com slash slack. We'll make AJ go first. Yeah, I'm going to pick lithium because what else is spontaneously combustible, used as an antidepressant, and charges your phone? <laughs> Done. Awesome. Um, I'm going <laughs> to throw a couple of picks out there. So one of the things that I've been doing that has made a difference for me, and I've mentioned this on the show a few times, uh, but I've been finding new ways to do it. So I read a book called The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. And it talks about just how you start your day and going through a morning routine. And so you get up and he has an acronym for the six things you're supposed to do. I'm not going to spoil the book. You should really go read it. But you start out with uh, meditation and anyway. And so you you go through all these things, affirmations and things. But uh, there are a few apps that I found that help you with that. So there's a meditation app for iPhone. And I don't remember what it's called off the top of my head. I think it's called meditation something. But anyway, it's it's pretty cool. And it has a whole bunch of meditations. I think it cost me $3. And I don't believe it's a subscription. And then you can just download the meditations you want. And so I typically go through a 5 to 10 minute meditation during part of the process. And then one of the other things is visioning. And so, you know, you kind of sit back and you envision what your day is going to be like. But the other thing that I like to do is just envision where I want to wind up. And so there are a number of apps in the app store and I'll put a link again to the one that I'm using, but they're for vision boards. And so essentially you put into the, you can put pictures or text or quotes or anything like that into your vision board. And then you can, you know, so I just sit and look at it for five minutes and, uh, you know, it's like, okay, I want to have days like this. Right. And so, you know, I might have a picture of a sunrise and I'm, I'll have a quote, quote in there and, you know, other pictures that are inspiring to me, you know, picture my family, you know, stuff like that. And then anyway, it's just, it's just kind of this start to the day that really gets me going. And then the last pick that I have, one of the other things he puts in there is reading. And, you know, I'm religious, so I read my scriptures, but I, I split my reading time between that and then some other book about something I want to learn. And so uh, lately I've been reading the book Clean Code by Uncle Bob Martin. And I'm enjoying that. So I'm also going to pick Clean Code. But yeah, so those are just a few things that, you know, are kind of in my life that I've been enjoying lately and kind of a cool thing. Uh, Do you have some things you want to shout out about, Tristan? Sure. My Amazon Echo. Like it has changed my life. (laughs) So one of the things, I've got every light switch, almost every plug, the locks in the house all automated for the Uh big Z-Wave network. it sounds silly, but being able to have Alexa like turn lights on and off and unlock the doors, change the thermostat, turn on the Roomba, like just this wonderful world. Like it feel it's living in the future. I really love that like everything from my alarm to every is just like Alexa, set an alarm for six AM. Cool. And you're done and you can say mm-hmm. Alexa snooze maybe fifteen times, but you know, you had the intent of getting up at six. But like that has totally changed my life. Like it's I love our home automation system, but it is like five times better now that it's all wired through. And like we've got, you know, a couple Echo Dots and a couple Echoes. So wherever you are in the house, you can right. tell Alexa what you want her to do. And the whole house just magically transforms in whatever way you want. So that's certainly one thing. I think the other thing I'd call out super different is my wife and I are really obsessed right now with the microbiome and like uh-huh. how your biome like completely controls your life. Right. Like it turns out your mood, like everything about you is influenced by what bacteria are going on in, in your gut. Uh, <laughs> so we become really like, kind of obsessed with like how do you fix your biome like what is it and what do you change and it turns out that you can like test it online with all those crazy things you can do but we're just starting with like okay how does changing what you eat change your biome and change your life so uh-huh. like a shout out to the biome because of how much of my life is determined by what's going on in that part of the body so so i have to ask are you testing your biome we're going to <laughs> it sounds weird doesn't it it's actually super gross if you think about what it literally yes. is yeah yeah like but it's also fascinating. It's like uh-huh. this perfect line between like, oh, that's disgusting, but it's also fascinating. Yeah. And I think it's probably important and fascinating enough that I'm willing to go through the gross part. So yeah, I've been uh, I've been doing the ketogenic diet, and I hate to call it a diet because it's more of a lifestyle. I'm I'm doing it for at least three months just to see how it goes. Yeah. And then you know, and then I'll stick with it if it's working for me. And, uh, yeah, that a lot of the literature talks about the effect that it has on your microbiome yeah. and it's, it's really interesting. And yeah, some of the diehard people, yeah, they, they talk about, uh, 
sending samples yes. in to find out exactly. what your microbiome <laughs> yes. looks like. There's always crazy no, startups. We'll just leave it at that as far as sending sam- samples in. But yeah. Yes. Well, how do how I follow? You, how do I follow up sending in your biome? <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I've gotten kind of back into recently has been my running and along the lines of you telling your meditation like running is my meditation uh-huh. and one of the things I really like to do is kind of pick something that I'm going to like a problem that I'm going to work through in my run and I kind of go like for an hour and hopefully have figured out something by it or at least at the end of the run I've at least uh, gotten back in physical shape uh, as a result <laughs> of it so I'll definitely uh, give a shout out to that and then I the thing that's also transformed my my running has been my Garmin watch, which basically gives me all sorts of sensor data about my runs and like where I'm performing well, where I'm not performing well, and I'd start dumping the data into Excel so that I can actually start like doing way too much obsession and analysis over all the trends that I get as I uh, seem to be getting older. So those are the two things that I kind of think about. Have you built an add-in though? I've not built the add-in yet. Oh, oh! I thought you were using the business intelligence stuff that they have here at Microsoft. (laughs) Now we got to get you to go build the add-in. I know. So, so uh, just uh, along those same lines, while we're still recording, running and thinking through a problem, have you read Deep Work by Cal Newport? No, I haven't. So he talks a lot about that and disciplining your mind toward cool. basically longer periods of focus where you get more deep work done. And that's one of the things that he recommends is that you go for a walk or a run and you focus on one problem for an hour or however long you're out walking half hour. Yeah, I just kind of stumbled on it kind of myself just when I realized that there was these random things that were bugging me at work and I was like, but if I focused on one during a longer run, I could Mm -hmm. kind of come up with really interesting ideas and then realize they were bad ideas and then come up with even better ones along the run. So that's kind of how I work at it. Nice. You know, I kind of sleep through problems and feel the same way, like have a dream that <laughs> like solves it the wrong way. And then hopefully by morning I've had enough of those. I wake up with the problem that, or the solution solves it the right way. <laughs> yeah. But I, I like walks too, actually. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. I just want to verify dev.office.com. Yep. Okay. So go check that out if you're looking at some of these options. And I'm assuming that there's a place to ask for help if you need it on there? And yeah, the yeah. contact links are uh, at the bottom of the page, if I remember correctly. But Stack Overflow, Office JS tag is where we also look. All right. Great. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap this episode up, and we'll catch you all next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.